We all know that nursing can be stressful. Finding your next travel nursing assignment shouldn't be. That's why we're thrilled to be sponsored by Stability Healthcare, a travel nurse agency that's all about trust and transparency. With their comprehensive search tool and instant online rates, they make finding your next job quick and simple so that you can confidently take the next step in your career. Check them out on Instagram at Stability Healthcare or at www.stabilityhealthcare.com to learn more. Welcome back to Happy Hour with Operation Happy Nurse to kick off our season's exploration of animal-assisted therapy. Today, we are joined by the amazing Prairie Conlon. Prairie is a licensed mental health professional and is considered a leading expert on emotional support animals. Prairie has a master's degree in professional counseling and a postgraduate degree in military behavioral health counseling. She is certified in a number of therapeutic modalities, including equine-assisted therapy. Thank you, Prairie, for being with us today. We're excited to talk to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. We love animals, and so we are so thrilled to not only talk about animals, but to eventually have our own little therapy session as well. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, Prairie, have you always had an affinity with animals? And what motivated you to first start focusing on animal-assisted therapy? Right. So absolutely. Um, From the time I was little, I was going to be a veterinarian. Um, I grew up on a cattle ranch in Kansas and I went to for pre-vet med um, for school. So I've always been in um, the animals, animals uh, generally, just because, I mean, I just loved them. I grew up around them. Um, Getting into the animal assisted therapy, really, it was kind of a a something that changed as um, an undergraduate in college. Um, I realized, okay, you know, vet- veterinary medicine, maybe not necessarily for me. I mean, that's a, it's a difficult profession. And I like more of the, like the warm, fuzzy, feely stuff. Like I want to, I want to play with them and, and I want to hang out with these animals. And, and what was really cool was as uh, Miss Rodeo, Kansas State, um, they had special needs rodeos. And I loved seeing how people that had special needs interacted with horses it almost, I mean, it was almost just fascinating for me. It was like this huge paradigm shift in my thinking of, wow, look at how these animals help these people that, you know, uh, might be nonverbal or might have difficulty showing emotion um, or, or having difficulty with um, emotional regulation. And here they are interacting with these animals and you could just see them settle. And it was like, there's something really to that. There is just something... I wanted to be a part of it. So then after that, I changed to psychology. um, And then I I went on to get my uh, master's degree. And what was really great was uh, it was I was in North Carolina around that time that I was doing my internship um, because my husband was in the military at that point. And there was a barn that had horses. And they said, hey, we're looking for an intern. Do you want to do your internship for mental health therapy in a horse barn. And I was like, is that a question? (laughs) Yes, I do. Absolutely. And it just kind of went from there. And I mean, you know, it's something I absolutely just uh, love doing. I am jealous. That's one of our, we may or may not go to a barn. And we were told that there is such a thing as cow hugging or (laughs) something. I'm all about horses as well, but I was like, what? That's a thing? (laughs) People do that? Yeah. You know, that actually became a thing um, recently. I I have uh, actually commented on a few articles about that. And I think it really does come down to just 
with the equine therapy, there's a large animal. Um, you're focused on that. It actually kind of brings you out of yourself to be around an animal that large. And, you know, back to that mind-body connect, which a lot of mental health issues come because of that disconnect between mind and body. And so hugging a cow, hugging a horse, um, you know, these large animals that are just like, oh man, you're really focused on them, kind of gets that mind-body connect back. And it feels really settling to people. And not only that, they're just cute. I mean, who doesn't love a fuzzy cow? What kind of patients do you work with um, the most when it comes to either equine therapy or any other types of therapy? Is it always developmental or is it another type of person? So generally where I have focused my efforts is um, just as a military spouse, I was always around military communities. So a lot of uh, trauma with um, combat veterans or just, um, you know, military trauma in general. And then a lot of times too, um, working with the children, um, just because I find that the animal assisted therapy, it, it just makes a ton of sense uh, when working with kids. It's, it's, you know, kind of a bigger playing field to, like play therapy. Um, but we can actually play because we have this animal instead of, you know, plastic figurines, which, which works great, but, you know, upgrade uh, for the big fuzzies. So, yeah, so uh, absolutely, um, mostly military uh, children, but absolutely really anybody that I think, you know, that's coming, looking for um, help, especially with trauma. So with military children, I know whenever I go to the park, we have this like pony ride. Do you guys... Uh, have, for the equine therapy, do you guys have like regular size horses or do you guys have like ponies? I'm just curious. Yeah. So we have every single size and we even sometimes have like a donkey in there. So we'll have minis all the way up to like draft horses. Yeah. And we don't actually ride the horses. So that's more of, there are therapeutic riding programs. A lot of times those are going to be focused towards physical therapy, but it's more on ground, um, body work with the animals. Can you walk us through the way that animals provide comfort and therapeutic relief for people dealing with trauma? And what about anxiety or other issues? Oh, for sure. So studies have proven time and time again, animal-assisted therapies, they reduce uh, trauma symptoms because animals are able to make connections that people can't. And they provide a judgment-free experience that may not be possible in human-to-human -human interaction. Um, animals, they can also provide a less traumatic means of physical touch, which is a common need for humans that can often be affected by prior abuse. So with the use of dogs, horses, other animals, um, it's a more trauma-friendly means of therapy because there's people that are, they're still needing that connection, but they have difficulty and the animal can help provide that bridge back to relationship and physical touch. Another instance, sleep disturbances. Um, sleep disturbances and nightmares, they're common in people with trauma. Um, dogs specifically, they have this incredible ability to smell emotions using their Jacobson's organ. So if someone begins to escalate in their sleep, bonded dogs, they smell a difference in the chemical signals that are being given off. So anxiety, fear, pain, those all are communicated in the wild by chemical signals and they translate as vulnerability. And dogs have this deeply embedded drive to protect those that they're bonded to and often have really large responses to the signals that are being given off, which ultimately results in the dog waking up people by whatever means possible. And so we're finding that there's a decrease in severity and frequency of sleep disturbances by people who have dogs that they sleep with them and that are bonded to them because they're woken before it escalates. And then further, it's been reported that they can fall asleep easier 
knowing that if they do have a nightmare, the dog's going to wake them up. So they're not even, they're not afraid to go to sleep anymore. Wow. That's so cool. I never thought about that. So my friend just got a puppy and he's like a little dachshund type mix. And so he's so tiny, but she has a problem What she's like, I don't want to create him because he cries and I feel bad, but there's this part of her that knows she has to train him. But at the same time, he sleeps better and she sleeps better when he's in bed with her. And so it's kind of, it's like, what's right and what's wrong? Like how, you know, what's the balance there? Right, right. You know, I mean, if if you're talking to dog trainers, generally they're going to say, you know, they got to learn to be crate trained and crate training absolutely, you know, is something that, uh, you know, it's very valuable. Um, but honestly, it, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, you go over to somebody's house and they're like, oh, our dogs aren't allowed on the couch. Well, if you come into my house, I have four dogs. They're all on the couch with the children. They're on the beds. And so there's like that. I think it's, I think it's very personal as to what, you know, what you like or what you think is okay. Because it, when it comes down to it, that animal's your pet and it's your house, your animal. If you want to sleep with the dog, sleep with the dog, especially if it helps. I've seen so many combat soldiers come back so much difficulty with sleep. And they're finding that, man, I sleep with my dog and he's waking me up and I'm not afraid to go to sleep anymore. And I'm not on trazodone anymore. And I'm not on this medication anymore. And it's like, well, let's do that. You know, least invasive as possible. And so whatever works. Yeah, that's really cool. I might have to get the dog. (laughs) I don't have, definitely not in the realm of trauma. So I don't want to say that, but I I have problems falling asleep and staying asleep and I wake up quite frequently. I don't, and it's kind of, I always wanted to get like a weighted blanket. My boyfriend's great, but he also is a furnace. So (laughs) maybe I need a dog instead. Uh, so, Perry, how difficult is it to obtain one of these animals? I'm just curious. I, I just randomly thought because Carly was saying she has trouble sleeping. I'm like, well, how hard would it be for her to actually get one, you know, to have them trained? Or is there a certain place or, you know, website that you go to? Right. So unless you're in a position where you need to have that animal prescribed because of uh, housing needs or travel needs, it doesn't have to be prescribed right? So anybody's pet can do these things. Um, The reason that we see emotional support animals is because we have people living in situations where they need their animal with them, but that housing complex might not allow animals or they have really high pet rates and, and pet fees. And so the emotional support animal prescription, that is specifically for those situations, that doesn't mean other people's animals aren't support animals. You know, they're living in their home, uh, that they don't have to have an ESA letter and they can have an animal if they want to, or there's not an HOA getting involved. So that could just be a regular pet and you don't need that specific designation medically. And so it could just be any animal, really. Um, As far as training goes, an emotional support animal doesn't have to have training. Um, but they're not allowed in public places like service animals are. Now, what you're talking about is more service animal, psychiatric service dogs. Um, they, they're they the ones that are going to need that training because they're going to be going into public places with people. And the difference between them, emotional support animals, they provide just kind of general general support. They're at home with them. Whereas the psychiatric service dog, they have a specific task that they're going to perform that um, is specifically to intervene with a a mental health symptom that that person's having. I've seen a lot of videos now coming out on TikTok or Reels or whatever you use of dogs responding to 
anything of like low blood sugar and diabetics and like you said, PTSD symptoms. And it's just amazing how, like you said earlier, they have that sensitivity to their owner and that bond, knowing how to react and when and what to do. I'm like, what? <laughs> like dogs are so smart. <laughs> so if someone doesn't have a affinity with animals or animal inclined per se, is there, do you think there's a way for them to grow if they wanted to work with animals? Um, obviously finding like their own benefit, but have you ever had that issue where someone's afraid of horses or dogs and, but they still want to go through the therapy and how, what does that process look like? Yeah, absolutely. So more so with the horses, um, is where we're going to go into therapy where, yeah, I see a lot of fear with that, but that's typically going to play into the actual therapy. It's very, very different. Equine assisted psychotherapy um, versus an in-office therapy dog because you have a prey animal versus a predator, okay? So I'm not going to generally prescribe an emotional support animal for somebody or push that on them uh, with their mental health if if they're not animal inclined. If they're like, okay, I don't want to, you know, touch your dog because the dogs are a lot more forward. Um, they're going to want to come and they're going to want to approach people. So I'm not going to put them in that situation now, the equine-assisted psychotherapy, because we're outside, it's a bigger space, I really like that um, because the, the horses, they basically are really good at providing insight for observation and growth. Um, as therapists, we can use clients' reactions to horses' behaviors to understand how the clients interact with people and help them gain self-awareness. So basically, using a client's interpretation of a horse's movements and behaviors or reactions as a metaphor to identify and change negative patterns of thinking that lead to maybe depression or relationship problems or whatever it is that they might have going on. So it's basically a safe place to project thoughts and feelings, especially when clients aren't ready to own them. And the horses then offer instant, instant insight and feedback as they have these reactions to people's emotions. And as a prey animal, they're always scanning. They're always reading the environment. And so when we come into their pasture, their space, you better believe that they're scanning you. They aren't like dogs, again, which are very forward. They're going to approach you. Um, you have to show the horse that you're safe, which really gets into fostering healthy relationships. So if you come into their space with a lot going on, they're going to take note. I've seen horses um, look at a, a client when, they, when we walk in and they'll hightail it to the other end of the pasture. It's like, hmm, what's going on with that? You know, uh, so... Yeah. Um, and then there's just been a lot of uh, recent amazing studies that have proven that horses actually recognize human emotions and react emotionally to the emotional states of these humans. So, um, again, you know, I've, I've seen very interesting reactions out of horses versus with my in-office therapy dog. He's just like, I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, that's, that's his reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm under your porch because I love you. What is that from? <laughs> What's up? Those <laughs> dogs. I love that. Um, the meme. Have you ever seen the one that says uh, it's got a cat versus a dog and the dog says it's like, we're going outside for a walk. My favorite thing. Food. My favorite thing. You're petting me. My favorite thing. And it just goes on and on and on. And it just is so funny because I, I think of that as a therapist that, you know, that's when, when do I need to have the dog versus when do I use the horses? Um, one of the most influential things in my brain that happened actually when I was doing an internship was when a, a child with ODD 
had said to me, because uh, we, we were doing in office with the therapy dog. And I said, well, look, you know, the dog, he, he really wants to say hi to you. He wants to, you know, talk to you. Doesn't that make you feel good? And, and he said, I could kick that stupid dog and that dog would still come back to me. You know, and it, it made an impact on me because I thought, you know, he is right. There is a, that component of the dog, which that's a really good, you know, piece to, of course, there's a lot of explanation after he's saying he's going to kick the dog. No worries. No dogs were harmed. But I thought, you know, I really want to move this out to the pasture because if he has that kind of an attitude with the horse, the horse isn't going to come back to him. The horse is not going to continue to pursue a relationship with him. And that's a lot of, uh, you know, the reason that that a child, especially with ODD, is going to be in office is because they're looking to foster better relationships. They're looking to um, be able to communicate better. And so that really made a difference when how I approach um, clients, where am I going to put them not only for safety for them, but also safety for my animals as well. So we've read that animal-assisted therapy works well with combined with other therapeutic or wellness techniques. Mm -hmm. What have you found works best uh, combined with animal therapy? Right. So a therapeutic modality that I really like to use in collaboration with animal-assisted therapy is accelerated resolution therapy. So this therapy basically empowers clients to resolve traumatic uh, memories through a combination of relaxation and memory visualization. So we use bilateral eye movement stimulation of the brain to help people reconsolidate some memories that might be troubling to them. Um, basically, we use hand movements um, while we help them come up with a, an ending to a new ending to a traumatic memory. And while they're still able to always remember troubling events, um, we find that we're able to turn the volume down on kind of those sensory memories. So why I like them together is because after a client has spent time with animals, they're more aware of their sensations. They're more aware of their own bodies. And awareness is key to a successful accelerated resolution therapy session for trauma. I often find clients, they're very guarded when they come into my office. And there's still a stigma, unfortunately, and people might perceive reaching out for mental health care as a sign of weakness you know, people maybe never have envisioned themselves seeing a counselor or they're worried that they'll divulge too much and they'll gush, uh, you know, what I call emotional vomiting. They're worried about that. Um, and when these clients arrive at my office, I often say, hey, let's take a walk in the fields or, or we spend time with my therapy dogs or we visit the horses in the pasture. And following that, clients usually return to the office feeling pretty centered, pretty open. Um, there's usually a shift there after they spend time with the animals and they appear more ready to, to trust me, to trust themselves. And so it, it makes it, uh, easier to start into that trauma or heavy work. So are there any other animals aside from horses and dogs that you work with? Now, my sister loves cats and I tell her for lack of a better word that sometimes they're little shits. And so <laughs> she, um, She's like, no, no, no. They're like very therapeutic for me. I love them. And they're like, you know, they're always cuddling with her and stuff. And I understand that part of it. But have you used cats or like any type of animal that you might think is a little strange for therapy? So um, I have a cat that inserts himself as needed, um, as cats do. They, you know, make their own schedule. Um, we often says when he comes through, we're like, oh, he's got the PhD. He's smarter than me. And, and, uh, 
if he graces us with his president presence, then we're, you know, great, great. Yeah. But sometimes he's like, nope, I'm going to be over here on the porch. But um, as far as, as using it for therapy that way, but um, for emotional support animals uh, for people, absolutely. Um, you know, cats might be a really good choice for somebody just because they might not be home as much or they're looking for a more independent animal. Um, you know, obviously cats and dogs have very different personality types. And so, um, yeah, I, I just kind of gauge that on the individual. Generally, a lot of people that come to me that want um, their own animal to be an emotional support animal or eventually train a dog to be a service dog, they already have them. And so I'm not helping them pick out an animal. I'm working with them on, well, let's, you know, see if this is something that works. Is, is this something that's helping mitigate psychological symptoms? Then let's build on that. What are some other things we can do at home on a daily consistent basis with our animal, which is, again, why I love emotional support animal um, assisted therapy is because they are daily. They are consistent. They're in their life. And it's really helpful with, for people to establish routine and consistency and accountability. And so generally with that, um, I'm going to work with dogs, cats, maybe rabbits. I know that there's a lot of other animals that help people therapeutically. Um, me personally, I just won't write a letter because what it comes down to is the Fair Housing Act. It says what's a reasonable accommodation. And unfortunately, I don't think that an alligator is going to be a reasonable accommodation for a landlord to have to accommodate. And so I'm not going to write that letter. Um, I'm just not going to do it. So. I know I saw a video again on TikTok. I have a problem that someone had a peacock on a plane and I don't know, <laughs> it's probably fake. They're like, here's my emotional support peacock. <laughs> like what in the world? Yep. That was 2017. That was so long ago. That's where this big stigma against emotional support animals started is, oh, the infamous peacock. Let's not talk about that. But I'll tell you what, the thing is, the thing is, is that emotional support animals changed drastically after that. And there wasn't people allowing squirrels and monkeys and snakes on a plane. Oh, my goodness sakes. I don't know what doctors or therapists were writing those letters. I do have beef with them, so you can send them my way. Um, but who? But the thing is, is we absolutely have a valid need for emotional support animals. But that's, again... It really comes down to that, that what I was saying earlier, reasonable accommodation. Is it reasonable? Is it reasonable to take a snake on the plane? Is it reasonable to take a peacock? Are we saying that that animal doesn't help that person? Not at all. I'm sure that they do great with that and they have so much fun and have tea parties with their peacock, but we are not going to expose other people to that and have 50 other people having a panic attack on a plane because there is a snake there. You know, it's like we're creating a bigger issue. So I mean, I think there has to just continue to be more and more um, conversations about what an emotional support animal is, because we don't want that to go away for people that it really, really helps. So when it comes to emotional support animals, could you share with us any memorable success stories or testimonials that you, um, you may have witnessed? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I have some clients that um, uh, I, I really learned about, you know, emotional support animals as a form of therapy about six years ago. So some of my clients, they're still regular, um, just maybe check in once or twice a year at this point. Um, and it's just incredible the growth that uh, they have. Um, you know, they're always so excited to tell me 
Um, you know, I'm doing really good. Um, even though my depression comes in waves, uh, what keeps me going is my animal. I've got to get out of bed to feed them. I've got to get out of bed to take them outside in that little bit of fresh air, man, that kind of wakes me up. I find that my depression spells are, they're a lot less severe and they're a lot less frequent. Um, you know, people with the, again, the sleeping, uh, man, I got off these medications. This is just, it's fabulous. I, I, you know, I love that, um, I'm able to kind of combat some of these, uh, bigger issues without medication, which, you know, I'm not saying anything negative about medication whatsoever, but you know, a lot of times people don't want to have to be on them their entire life. And they're finding that there's these healthy alternatives, uh, natural, natural alternatives. And, um, you know, they're really excited about that. Just, uh, their, their personal journey, weight loss journey, mental health journey. Um, I've just seen animals impact, uh, all of that. Yeah. I just see animals. They're impacting people in such a positive way because they're daily, they're consistent. They're just in their face. A lot of times animals demand our attention. And, you know, you guys were talking about TikTok. I love TikTok. I love it because it takes a couple minutes and I can, and you know, I'm on the animal side of TikTok because I just love to see the animals. Like one of my favorites is this little schnauzer and they just say, ready, set, go. And the dog just takes off every time. And I'm like, why does that give me so much joy? Well, you know what? I don't know why, but I like it. And I'm going to watch it for a few minutes. It made me smile. It uplifted me. Awesome. Great. Exactly. I feel that same way. I know there's some I delete the app almost like weekly and then I get back on it because I think I'm better than everyone else in my head. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so good. I don't need TikTok. And then I go on Instagram and scroll through reels. So what's the difference, Carly? But um, <laughs> I saw there's this woman that has that ostrich or the email. I don't know how you say that. Um, that's one that I was obsessed watching because I love farm animals. They're like my favorite thing. So every time that's like a weird animal, I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah, he's always pecking at him. That's hilarious. Me too. I I understand. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, other obstacles would you say still exist in the use of emotional support animals? I know we talked about it a little bit with the, you should, should not be named Peacock, but what else <laughs> have you seen? Right. So I think it's just basically what it's coming down to is there's just a lot of, um, misinformation about emotional support animals. You, you, um, get on any kind of, uh, social media and you're going to see people are arguing about it. Oh, you can't bring your emotional support animal into public places. And well, I can have my animal in housing. Well, no, you can't. And I mean, just, it's crazy the amount of arguing that's going back and forth. And it's, you know, there's very different, um, lines that are drawn for therapy dogs for service animals and for emotional support animals. And that's one of the biggest obstacles as far as the future of emotional support animals is people don't know the difference between those three. Um, again, emotional support animals, not to go in public places. They are prescribed by your doctor or therapist um, under the Fair Housing Act so that you can have your animal with you um, in housing situations where maybe there's pet rent or pet fees, or maybe there's a no pet policy. Um, but again, that's going to be prescribed by somebody that has training as an emotional support animal assisted therapist or as an animal assisted therapist. They're going to understand those laws. They're going to, you know, educate you. And unfortunately, we see a lot of people that are prescribing them, doctors or therapists, just say, oh, your, your 
cat helps you. All right, I'm going to write you a note. There needs to be a little bit more training in that. Just like with any kind of treatment modality, before you're going to implement that for your client, you need to be trained in it. And animal-assisted therapy is no different. So um, what I want to see is, uh, you know, more training platforms for um, animal-assisted therapy, emotional support animals. And then I also want to see regulation within the emotional support animal industry just because, um, you know, I work through a platform, CertiPet. CertiPet's awesome. It is just, it's a telehealth platform. It helps advertise for us. It's kind of like, um, you know, mental health platforms where um, people can come in and be connected with a therapist or doctor licensed in their state. They go through actual assessments. They go through actual telehealth um, phone. I mean, they're connecting with their therapist. Whereas there's a lot of companies that are like, oh, well, we can do that. We're going to charge, you know, 15% of what they charge. And we're just going to print them off a letter. And who's going to know any different? Well, the landlords maybe won't. But now they're catching on to that. And so, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, regulations that need to be put in place. And one of the, and so that would be my final piece for the emotional support animals is that there needs to be regulation for these companies. And, um, you know, at CertiPet, we're kind of really looking to work, uh, and, and figure out ways. How do we help, um, you know, the U S department of housing and urban development, figure out a way to vet companies so that we're not putting clients in bad situations where they have bad ESA letters. Yeah, that makes sense. It only takes one person to quote unquote ruin it for everybody else. So I saw on Instagram that you have a rambunctious dog named Eleanor, which is adorable. Can you tell us a little bit more about your own animals? Absolutely. So I have um, two horses right now. One of them is True. One of them is Snow. I use those for therapy as well as barrel racing. So just kind of on the side. I have four dogs now. I know it's crazy. They're all schnauzers, um, two giant schnauzers and too many schnauzers. We really like the eyebrows and the mustaches that just, they're hilarious. I mean, you just, their faces, we're obsessed with schnauzers. And, um, so one of, one of the four is an actual therapy dog, Tobias. Um, he is just this amazing animal who already kind of, you know, therapy dogs, they can't just be any dog. He had this just amazing sense of of people and what they need. And do you need me now? Let me give you space. And he's amazing. So, and then I have, uh, the cat, his name is Knight. Um, he's the one that, that is, uh, uh, the manager out here as well as the one with a PhD. He kind of runs the place. So, <laughs> so what other things do you do for your mental health? Because it's, I know my therapist is always, she has her own therapist and so on. So what is something that you do outside from animals and that type of therapy that works for you when you're feeling low or stressed or anything? So for, for myself, I'm a big, I have to be outdoors, you know, grow, growing up on a cattle ranch in Kansas. I loved being outside, climbing the fences, seeing the cows, you know, hearing them moving around, sometimes chasing them. Um, which my father did not appreciate very much, uh, but there was a lot of life lessons learned there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a, for me personally, it's, it's outdoors, which of course is going to be interacting with my animals, um, exercising, uh, my, my giant schnauzer loves to go running. Um, 
And he's just like so excited about it that I feel like I'm laughing the entire time because he's got like this funny smile on his face, like, yay, we're running. <laughs> and so just interacting with the animals like that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I've got some pictures up of him on Instagram doing that. And it's just he's so funny. They just have those faces. Um, but riding horses, um, sharing my animals with my with my family, my my friends. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, kind of building a support network for, for what does it for you. And, and for me, it's, it's outside, it's, it's family, it's friends, it's animals. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. We're big nature people. We always talk about how nature's so healing. Like even if, like you said, going on a short walk, it's nice too, cause we're in California. So we're blessed with nice weather most of the time. I'm like, I'm from Indiana. So I always dealt with whether that was changing its mind every other 10 minutes. So it's been very nice to be able to know what to expect for the most part when I walk out the door. <laughs> Thank you, Prairie, for joining us today on Happy Hour with Operation Happy Nurse. If our listeners would like to hear more from her or check out what she offers, follow her on Instagram at prairie.conlon. It's C-O-N-L-O-N. And on her website at www.journeyswithprairie.com. Follow us next week as we interview another guest about animal-assisted therapy. And if you have any specific questions, please send them over to us at operationhappynurse.org or message us on Instagram at OHN Happy Hour Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Prairie.